Welcome to the Long Come Norwich podcast, the easily excitable earache epidemic that exclusively tipped Eda for success. You heard it here, folks. Sorry for the radio silence. We hope you had a lovely crimbo and all that bollocks. It's time to talk football with ACM founders John Punt. Hello. Andy Lorne. Hey, Rick. And our guest this evening, commentary's finest quiff, Dan O'Hagan. Hello. <laughs> now, unlike Michael Bailey's athletic podcast, we'll actually let you get a chance to get a word in, Dan. And actually... <laughs> Famous last words from yeah. Tom. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, that's not the usual form, let's There's be fair. There's a promise, go on. For the, for the second time uh, in recent pod history, uh, we get you in around transfer time because we're hoping you've got the inside track on a couple of our recent additions. Uh, Duda and Uup, which I was well having, said, yeah, yeah Lucas Hope. Uh, yeah, <laughs> uh, so think, think Roy Hodgson, and you'll pronounce it right. So, what have we signed there, Dan? Well, in Duda, you've signed a, a playmaker, a proper old-fashioned number ten. Um, at Hertha, kind of lost his way. Was great the first half of last season, but this year, change of coach didn't quite work out. But he's a, a real, a real talent, exciting player as well. Uh, Lucas Hope, <laughs> um, <laughs> when he's I fit, like that a lot. When he's fit, he's Whoop, very solid. When he's fit, he's certainly um, an asset. I'm not sure he's a signing for this season. Um, he's barely played for 18 months after uh, a bad injury uh, in 2018. Um, so I think he's one, one for next season. But both players have their qualities and both, I think, are kind of classic Weber um, acquisitions, both with a point to prove. I was reading uh, Michael Bailey talking of him, and he was saying that whoop was uh, we we had a bit of five million rejected for him in the summer. Yeah, he and said then we're going for ten percent. Yeah, which, and Duda as well. Which seems like a steal if that's true. Sounds a lot for yeah. Orp, um five million. To be fair, having seen him quite a bit, um, solid player, but I don't think he's much more than that. Um, but time will tell. It's nice to have a number seven back active uh, after the last couple of uh, owners of that shirt didn't exactly pull up any trees it was the last seven Naismith it was Roberts oh, yeah. after that yeah. oh no well yeah but did he, the one to actually he play seven, a game Roberts was he seven was, yeah. yeah the last one to play a game I think was was, was Marcus Edwards seven no I don't know if they even bothered giving him a number yeah. did he? <laughs> he, didn't, he didn't train hard <laughs> enough to even be given a jacket <laughs> <laughs> maybe he just had his uh, me uh, oh that's nice. Yeah. Uh, initials on it. Uh, so uh, we've also obviously saying goodbye to some people. Farewell to the icon. Um, will you be uh, missing Dennis? You boys? That's phenomenal business. Like allegedly, we've doubled our money on Sabeni, and we've all bemoaned pretty much his lack of talent. He's he's not quite up to it, is he? Certainly for Premier League level. So no, absolutely not. Wish him well, but I think he's probably best off in Germany. Yeah, I think for the money that we got for him. That was a pretty good bit of business. Yeah, and, and I think it's an example of where not everything is going to work out if you can at least turn a profit on it. The only if, you, if you're going to uh, be negative, which I am, then you you could argue that okay, we have made a bit of money on him reportedly. However, we went into the season, we went into a Premier League season with him um, as only you know one injury away from being our only alternative option. Um, so and he's got a better goals per minute ratio than almost any other Premier League striker. So what is your point? <laughs> yeah, okay, um, but I, I think that's an, a prime example that stats can be proved to <laughs> used to prove any argument. Um, yeah, okay. So uh, is there anyone else that you think uh, any rumours you've heard anything that you think you was a rumour you haven't heard but you wish was on our radar? Um, I mean, in terms of, of positions, Dan, where, where would you say? Cause you covered Norwich only a couple of games. Ago. Yeah, the Palace game. Yeah, I do think. Centre half, they're still light. I think they went the season maybe one defender down from where they should have been. 
Um, so I think a top quality Premier League experienced centre half would be a good acquisition. Whether one would come now, given the position Norwich are in, is doubtful. But I do think they began the season in that area woefully short of options because, okay, it was a freakish run of injuries, but they were exposed in a way they shouldn't have been. Yeah, I think you're right that um, we we actually heard on a grapevine that it would have been early January that one was going to get done. So it shows that you don't always, you know, not everything you hear is is accurate. Um, but you, you can't believe there's not going to be some business done there in, in the next couple of weeks. Well, I think there's, there's an element of if this was two months ago, we probably would have signed a centre half by now. But the fact that Godfrey's back and closer is running again pitch, yeah. is we're almost back up to a full complement. So. I think had this been two months ago, we certainly would have signed a centre-half by now. But I think if I had to choose now between a replacement for Scribeni and a centre-half, I'd choose a striker. I think it has to be both. I I, I still think that... You have to choose between. Oh, okay. Well, then, yeah, I would go with with getting some goals in because, again, that helps us next season. I think centre-back-wise, where we're currently headed, we are very, very comfy assuming that we're going to keep three-quarters of what's there um, and then obviously replace... Ben Godfrey, if, if we assume he's the one that's most likely to go, um, of that back four or five uh, that are available uh, centre back. But I, I think in the we've now the, the plus side, if you like, of the injury crisis is we've now seen everyone for a little for a little go. And I think what's very clear is we've got maybe two players who could be the second most talented centre back in, in, in a pairing with someone far more experienced at Premier League level. Um, and Godfrey, who you feel um, could be within a couple of years, the number one centre back somewhere, but probably would have benefited from similar to the way that Zimmerman helped him crawl, talked him through the championship. Maybe he really needed to be with uh, a really seasoned Premier League defender. I know Hanley's played a lot there, but he hasn't played a lot with Godfrey, obviously, this season. Kind of agree with Lorne's point in so much as actually centre-back and probably a striker actually isn't high on my list of priorities and if we look at this season thus far um, actually where we've looked most solid is when Tetty and Tribal have played together we've had a solid defensive shield or a solid kind of screening shield in front of the defence so I'd be looking for a defensive midfielder to replace Tetty who let's face it is going to be out of contract this season or or is not going to sign a new contract this season Um, and we know with the way Daniel Farker does business, he brings a player in, he wants to get him acclimatised to the squad, he wants to get him at the requisite fitness levels to play. So yeah, that's where I'm looking. I think that's a really good point actually. A defensive midfielder I hadn't considered, but I think you're right, that is one. Um, Louis Thompson, maybe? Well, he's going on he's loan. Gone. He's gone on loan. He's, he's yeah, been so confirmed. Louis Thompson next play with Russ. I mean. But he's, he's never going to be the same player again. As soon as he did his Achilles, I think that was it. It's pretty much his career at any kind of level. Well, over. I mean, okay, when well, I did my see, Achilles, that was goes. it. That was my... Yeah, I think I he think might he's... be in slightly better nick than you overall. <laughs> <laughs> I was 38, so yeah. probably I'm, gone I'm going to say, I'm not sure a 38-year-old John Punt's career can be compared to someone who's basically been in a gym since he was eight. Let's see how he gets... I'm not sure it is... We'll see. We'll see where we're at after maybe three, four months playing under Russ in League One, and you never know. He, he may well be more confident that that he can do a job. I, I think if you don't sign a centre back, you are saying we've given up. I think that's that, that, and I think you have to be careful with regards to um, the the morale. And that, that's something I was wanting to ask you, Dan. Yeah. When when a manager is in that situation, I I, I think that it's a very delicate balance between 
looking like an idiot in front of your players and saying, come on, boys, we can still do it. And also kind of having, you know, you don't want to lose your credibility by seeming like you're in fantasy land, but you've also got to motivate your lads to go out and, and do it. Do you think that he maybe says, look, some of you are going to be playing for a place next season? How, how far through the season do you think he gives in and is more realistic in his team talks? I'm not sure Farker would give in as such or not in public anyway, but the position now is so bleak. What is it, eight points plus the nine. goal difference? Yeah, it's nine for all intents yeah. and purposes. Yeah. Um, so it's, it looks so bleak, but I think as a coach, you can't in public say, you know, this player's for next season and the promotion push, but I'm sure the players they bring in are players brought in like Hope uh, with next season in mind because from this position, it's going to be impossible, I think, to turn things around. I mean, the, the the one thing that would the one thing that would change my mind and, and the Sheffield United performance was, um, and I and I mean the performance, not not necessarily the result. The, the complete lack of ability to dig in and go again after the the sucker punch, the double sucker punch goals early in the second half, and um, the frailties that they exposed, and how easy again it was to shut up shop against us when they clearly weren't at it that day, Sheffield United. That, that was the point at which I, I, I tipped into the, do you know what, I, I really don't think this is going to happen. If you, if you got three wins on the bounce, then it obviously changes things very quickly. You're, you're, at worst, you're going to be four, maybe three points off, off safety if you were to do that. And you know if you got really lucky, you might be one or two points off, depending on how other results go. Watford are in Champions League qualification form, aren't they? I knew this was going to come up. <laughs> well, uh, would you say currently, let, let's put it to an independent adjudicator, <laughs> which of these pre-season predictions, Dan, do you think is looking close? I'm so glad I didn't make any. Um, did you say is looking closer to coming true? Mario Vrancic being uh, a nominee for the PFA yeah, nominee, that's season, important. <laughs> or uh, Watford to get Champions League football. Well, right now you'd say Watford. Um, but yeah. I think with Norwich, you look at recent games, can they put wins together? They've lost the lead. They score first but lose the lead. So they can get into winning positions. Mm. If they could hold them, maybe hope's not lost. Mm. But it's, you know, to lose all those points in winning positions, you know, again, it'll be a case of what might have been. That for me has been the problem this season. Is we've had so many opportunities and we just keep shooting ourselves in the foot uh, again and again. I come home from Cow Road or I get into, uh, I come off Twitter at the end of a, an away game and just think, oh, what if? Like, there were chances in that game where we could have won that. And I do think that if we beat Bournemouth on Saturday, then everyone's going to be like, oh, well, maybe. Anything less than a yeah. win on Saturday and it is done. I almost feel like we are having the most archetypal blueprint of a fine margins like we'll go up to the Premier League and show you just how important fine margins are you well, know we, we are losing by a hair's breadth regularly but the point is and going on your point of can they hold on to a win I think I would feel slightly more half full if we'd have got a single point this season after going behind you know we, we do not appear We I, I don't believe that the players have, have stopped playing I don't believe they've downed tools in games they've looked completely null and void at times and we've looked so easy to stop and it re- I mean it really reminds me of the first championship season under Farker in terms of how easy to kind of beat we seem to be um, but what I'm what I want to see is us go a goal down and come back and, and draw the game like okay fair enough we haven't turned it right round but coming back from behind is something we have not managed to do all season and that that is I mean, that's doom form you know isn't it well it's fine margins last season wasn't it it was fine margins to get to the Premier League and it's fine margins now we're there it's just been an incredibly frustrating season. The league's brutal, you know. We know that from day one, and you know, you score first in this league, and teams will come back at you. 
um, and they will punish mistakes at set pieces. They will punish naivety. And Norwich have been on the wrong side of those marches because they haven't quite got the know-how um, to get through those situations. And, you know, they've been close in so many matches. But in this league, you know, you leave the door open by the slightest gap and that team will push through it. And I think also that it's some of that now, and I believe that that is what we missed and one of the key things I think we underestimated when we were trying to be optimistic about oh, wouldn't it be amazing if a team with so little Premier League experience could stay up well, picking up on your point Dan other teams like Sheffield United who should in theory have been in the same situation as us in terms of the personnel on the pitch in that game and Premier League experience um, when, when, they, when we go a goal up when Norwich are a goal up other Premier League teams who've got that little bit more calm now, like Palace, etc., we are all over Palace at times first half, they don't suddenly go go storming forward for an equaliser. They don't throw out the game plan. They go, OK, we're a goal down. OK, we're two goals down. But it's Norwich. We're going to get a chance. And it's, it's not just because it's Norwich, but there's, there's that kind of calm, um, kind of altogether confidence that... We know how football goes, ebbs and flows. We will have a period of momentum at some point. Let's keep it tight. Let's 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 keep doing what we're doing. And eventually, when we feel that we're starting to get on top, that's when we really we go for it. And that's the times, as you've said, that then as soon as Norris let the door open, they go, right, that was what we were waiting for. Now we go hell for leather for 10 minutes and they win the game. But what's weird is that there'll be outsiders looking at Norwich and say, oh, you know, 12 points have been terrible. But, you know, you look at the really poor teams down the years, Derby, Swindon, Sunderland, Norwich are nowhere near those teams. Or previous Norwich teams. Yeah, I mean, this is a good team that's been very unlucky and has been so close so often. But, you know, the record books won't show that. They'll show whatever the points tally is and relegation. But we all know it's been a different story. I think that's one of the things that's kept kept Farker from getting too much abuse that we are playing some decent stuff you know in, in the spells when we've been on top in games we've played as good a football at times as we played last season against the higher quality of you know higher calibre of opposition not better and yeah, I, at times. and I would suggest that you used the word a moment ago Tom it's momentum and actually last season we had that in abundance we always knew and you say about you know we're going to get that 10 minutes we're going to come back you know we're going to go again <laughs> we just knew that was going to happen last season now we're at a different level it's almost like the players don't believe it. The know. players and the fans, I think, it becomes yeah. like a self-fulfilling. Absolutely, like you, you just expect. Last season we expected to win or draw. This season we expect to lose, yeah. and it happens. And I genuinely think that had uh, we not had the injuries when we had them at the start of the season, and we got a couple of results, yeah. even just a couple of results, like a point at Burnley, a point at West Ham, beaten Bournemouth, something like that. We would now be fine. We'd, well, that, well, we'd be much closer. That's the than one. Yeah, I think we'd be a lot Even closer. if everything else carried on, it, the, the, the point is we'd be one or two points away. And you think, well, two wins on a bounce or a win and a draw on a bounce, and all of yeah. a sudden we're out the bottom three. It, it's just the fact that when you when you need the equivalent of nine results to go your way before you're even level, th- th- you know, that's when you start to be. In, that's when you start to be in danger because it's not like it's there's one relegation place and you have to catch one team. I mean, that, that, that's the, that's the problem. My my preferred analogy for for the Premier League. Um, is uh, which I can't remember if I've mentioned on the pod before. Is as a as a parent of, of children who don't sleep very well, when you're with your kids, you can't wait to get a break from them. The second you're not with them, you feel really guilty and wish you were back with them again. And it's uh, the Premier League is very similar to that. You know, when you're not there, it's the promised land, and when you're there, you go, God, the championship's fun, isn't it? <laughs> I mean, to, what what would you say, punt? Now is your is your level of 
actually can't wait to get back into the championship where we're a medium fish in that pond and going to win something versus no if I could choose and it was completely down to me I would definitely still choose to stay up I'd be in the Premier League um, and that's for very selfish reasons now taking an 11 year old to the football and I can't remember what game I think it was Crystal Palace so it's not even a glamorous side but you know it's Crystal Palace but she just loved it she just loved the fact that it was top flight she watches you know match of the day she'll watch sky sports news she's completely engaged in the premier league bubble because it's all consuming in in the media and to have norwich as part of that i think for a youngster and, and we all grew up you know when when norwich were a top flight side pretty much um it kind of gets you into it a bit more so selfishly for her i think i'd want to be in the premier league well you had the 59 cup run that was when you <laughs> up, yeah, yeah. Cheers, mate. 88 89 yeah. fuck off 58 58 59 <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, but so, Lorne, I, I know that you've you've been uh, particularly down by the subject we're about to come on to, which we we've not really done too much on this season, really, with, with VAR. But because since it's really, really kicked us in the arse, we haven't been around podding too much. So, um, before we come on to VAR, just give us a more general take. Same same question to you. You know, you can choose. Would you choose the Championship over the Premier League as to how miserable this season's been? I would choose the Championship over the Premier League. Um, probably for the exact opposite reason in that I don't I don't have an 11 year old and I don't <clears throat> I don't get the glamour of it like I don't I when I go and watch Norwich I genuinely do not care if we're playing Man United or Oldham it, it doesn't register to me it's not I don't look forward to playing the big teams I just look forward to going to the football and the championship you have more games it's more even and you don't have VAR well, Lorne and I were, were talking uh, the weekend about the, the, the phrase, you know, as, as Norwich fans, you know, there were a lot of these uh, decade retrospectives that were out recently, obviously, um, as we turned into the 2020s. Um, and in the last decade, Norwich fans kind of completed football. You know, we've done so many um, promotions. We've done back-to-back. We've done winning a trophy at Wembley. OK, not a specific cup run, but, you know, we've done knockout wins against our bitterest rivals. We've we've gone up and our rivals have gone down in the same season. I mean, what else is there to do for a top 26, to use the club's terminology, club? FA so, Cup. Well, yeah, but at the end of the day, that's you're still lifting a trophy at Wembley, which means yeah, yeah, yeah. a huge amount. I'm just and, saying, we've never... We, we, yeah, we've got very close to the final, but that would be the ultimate. If, if we're going to complete it, I don't. Yeah. I don't if I, I could choose, I'd have. I if I could do effectively believe. one more thing, it would be to Norwich to win the FA Cup, and then I would go to a European game. Yeah. So miss the European games mm. in '92. That would be immense. But apart from that, I agree. Like the last season for me can't be beaten. So I, that's where I'm. Kind of, I feel kind of jaded with the whole thing at the moment. The VAR has tipped me over the edge, but last season was so good. Mm. Nothing can ever compared to that again so I, 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 I still the, the individual memory of the of, of Wembley was tops it because that day he, he even beat some of last season's kind of cumulative effect but, that, but what I'm talking about as a decade the reason that I am more than happy for us to continually yo-yo up and down um, and the reason that I won't be um, calling for sell to any Chinese millionaire or, or billionaire as it would need to be um, get get the cook out of the club and all this nonsense um, is because I don't think we have some ordained right to be in the top flight and actually if we were Palace for example if we were Stoke for that eight years or so they were in there how unbelievably boring to, to just go between 8th and 8th and 16th every year I mean let's get to 40 as quickly as we can and then what are you and then come March all the games are meaningless I, I said this to the Bournemouth fan that I spoke to for the Alonco Norwich preview this week and I said what, what are expectations like at 
at Bournemouth because you've been in the Premier League for five years now but you, you haven't done anything like what is the expectation she was like well we're, we're a really small fish in a small pond so it's always just about surviving and trying yeah, the to money helps isn't it <clears throat> and I said well you're not like you're a small fish in that you've got the smallest ground but you've got some of the richest owners so you're not a small fish in this pond you you should be better where's the joy in just aiming to finish eighth like there's no fun in that why do you think Dan that the wider mainstream football coverage seems to sleep on the fact that Bournemouth isn't a rags to riches story well it's a it's a riches to more riches story you know they it's they, a rag to oh here are some riches yeah we've got loads of money and we're going to spend our way up the leagues and stay there I, I don't understand why they, they make it out like oh well aren't they doing well punched above their weight what I think Bournemouth if they were to really knock on the door of the top six or top seven people would look more closely at where they are and where their money's come from I think they must go under the radar because they do just kind of bounce along their 15th, 16th in the table. No, really, can, oh, it's just Bournemouth, they just bounce along. I mean, I used to live down there, I was at university there, and I used to watch them um, when they were a very different club in what was then the second division um, with a young Rio Ferdinand on loan, Matt Holland playing for them, and blah, blah, was blah. Was that around Redknapp? Was that before? That was, that was post Redknapp. Right, that okay. was when Mel Machin was the manager. Okay. And a very different club then. So to see them where they are now, um, I mean, I was there when they were collecting money from, you know, with buckets, getting pound coins just to, you know, keep the club alive. So obviously the club has changed massively since then. Whether it's been done the right way, I think if they went down, they'd find um, finances very, very hard to, to um, break even again, and, you know, chickens would come home to roost. Um, I do think the way Bournemouth have done it is not the way I'd like to see Norwich do it. Um, because it's for me with a club of that size unsustainable well, you wonder about things like the, the fair play element you know that they're going to have real problems they're never going to be able to do that from from kind of selling it what, what I find strange is that there's a lot of land around that way very pretty land there's enough pretty land left over if you built a nice big 35,000 seat stadium so I don't know why they don't build themselves a stadium that is, makes it slightly less Obvious that they're bankrolling it and like writing off losses left, right, and centre. They have apparently been trying for years and years and years, but it's not as simple as oh, there's Build a it in the sea. <laughs> Build a platform <laughs> with a bunch of like, wind, wind tower debris. What are they called? The big. But I think you make a good point in that they've been wind in the Premier League for five years. What have they got to show for that? They've got a massive wage bill and maybe a couple of games against. Top six clubs that they've won and some memories. Yeah, I but we've done Dominic that. Dominic Solanke. Yeah, but that's, that's, my, that's my point. Is I get why you, John, like the Premier League because of Izzy. But I don't necessarily say I like it. I'm actually with you in term in spirit. Yeah. But at, I've got an 11 year old who I want to pretty much fall in love with yeah. Norwich. And for me, when I grew up, you know, it was Robert Fleck, Robert Rosario, Mike Phelan. You know, those kind of players Kenny playing. Fuck <laughs> But in the Premier League or in the in the um, Division One, as it was then. Um, actually mixing it with the best and that was really exciting as a youngster personally if Izzy wasn't coming and she fell out of love with it I'm not saying I'd want to be in the championship because it's almost more exciting kind of going up and, and then having our, our go at it and I think if we continued with the plan and it absolutely relies on Stuart Webber's replacement being top notch we could do it you know, there's no reason we could do it. We've we've looked at getting value for money out of um, you know kind of the continental market. We've got absolute value for money in pretty much seventy percent of our signings. Not many directors of football do that. Um, so I think we could punch well above our weight. Whether that would be enough to take you to I don't know sixth or seventh, and you know where wolves are. But 
you know, I, I don't think the method's broken and we should carry on. But you do want to see Norwich win because otherwise it becomes a little bit disheartening. That's my big problem, though. I want to see Norwich win every week, but I don't want to see us in the Premier League. No, I, I, I would... I'd like, Can't have one without the other. I, I like, no, I like winning thing. and getting up into the Premier League. The, uh, I, I truly enjoy, and I think we did a piece on Long Come Norwich, um, you know, John argued kind of for and um, someone who passionately wanted to argue against Delia you know, made their case. Um, and it was, uh, what was what, what did we get called? What was the Pointless Vermin. We, we are Pointless, pointless Vermin, vermin. <laughs> at um, that, that was That was a real example of, um, of some of the finer uh, parts people, of trolling on the internet. What I like about that is that people care what we think. <laughs> they qu- well, what I found brilliant was that they quoted, like some of them were quoting things that we said on the pod like a year and a half ago. Yeah. <laughs> and there's why, anyone who listens to the pod will know you changed your mind with Vinopod. Exactly. <laughs> over 18 months. We were told we were house trained. This is like, have you listened to me, Slagfucker? <laughs> what are you talking about? Um, but yeah, the, uh, that, that was interesting. But in that piece, what, one, of the, one of the points that, we, that was made and, and then came across in the comments for those that took punt side of, of being behind Delia and or rather not hating Delia and Michael because as far as I'm concerned I'm I'm I think she's a lovely person and I think it's a lovely story but I'm not necessarily pro or, or anti either but I much prefer that when we win the league we it's nice to know that we that no one can say ah oh, you bought it like with Wolves you know Wolves won the league and everyone went oh yeah well, it's because you've got so and so's agent because you spent so and so on this player and that player and they're all Portuguese and you know whereas with us we were going you'd never heard of any of our players like you know every, you know how many people were going who who and we went to away grounds when they were reading out R eleven the mm. first half of the season and then you know from February onwards we we're like yeah that's who we are and and that to me. If we're going for this top 26 model, that's more often going to be the way we win. And I, I do like the idea of sticking around in the Premier League for a couple of years. Like, so let's go back to the Lambert times when we didn't exactly have household names. We didn't necessarily break the bank, but momentum, that word that yeah. you mentioned before, Pun, that, that kept us that kept us going for a couple of seasons. It wasn't until we changed the way we played that the fans sort of lost a bit of love. Um, but I think, that again, Dan, you've got better, better knowledge of... Um, clubs that aren't Norwich than us um, as in we've got very little of anything that isn't Norwich we're not that great on Norwich to be honest you, you picked on a big big point there Pont damn sporting directors hmm. you know directors of football whatever we, the next one might be, be called Stuart Webber has said I'm off you know the time is the time is ticking until he's going to take a bigger job um, who do you think we should be looking to like, is, where would the short list of names come from I think you may look to Germany because obviously over there the director of football or sporting director is a huge role over there. They are as big as the coaches. They give their press conferences along with, with, the, with the coach on you know Thursday or Friday. So I think you go there. Um, they will know where the value is in the European market. Um, but I think Stuart Webber's job here, he set the bar very high. And to get someone in who's going to be of that calibre and maintain that hit rate of, you know, maybe seven in ten signings being a big, big success here, you know, with big resale value, that's difficult. So it's a very high bar, but quite where you find the next one from, you know, that's a, a tough one to do now, to find someone who can kind of carry that mantle on from Stuart Webber. I wonder if there's anyone that's kind of lower down within the... Uh Borussia Dortmund uh, set up, you know, someone who isn't currently that, but is within that setup and has learned in, in a similar way to Weber, you know, work his way up from from groundsman and working his way up through scouting and, and being involved and doing their badges. Perhaps it we don't it isn't a, a name that's currently known, and that, that's the thing that you have well, to give credit to the current um, leaders of the club. 
they found Weber. You know, yes, okay, Weber was the one who wanted Farker, but you know, we, we did get that right. So it's not like Stuart Weber chose Stuart Weber. And that was who was in charge I think of the club now. Was was really instrumental in getting Stuart Weber in. Just get Ed back; he'll choose the one. But right. given, Maybe not. Given the way Stuart Weber operates, it wouldn't be a huge surprise if there's already someone in the club. Yeah, and mm. I think Stuart Weber will know the name or have a list of names already and he'll pick his replacement and then maybe there'll be a hand especially if he's not coming or she isn't coming from an existing um, place um, as in maybe if it is a number two then they might already be in the club doing something else and, and actually there's a handover where they're, they're groomed for the position I mean it's one of those situations where you can already see that the people who call us pointless vermin will be very cross when it's a name that they haven't heard of but then how many of them had heard of Stuart Webber feels like they're very cross all the time so I should think they're furious about Big Ben bonging but that's, a, that's, a, that's <laughs> another thing um, okay so so Dan looking looking across to um, across the Premier League in general, mm. general um, if Norwich are going to if Norwich are going to be compete more regularly let's look at the plan is for us to, to come back in a couple of years or a couple of years ahead of, ahead of, ahead of, ahead of time can you see it ever being sustainable what, what kind of club do you think Norwich could be you know like who, who have managed to stay up there well, I think this season was always going to be ahead of schedule. They, they shouldn't be here in the Premier League this season. We know that. Um, as for what they would have to do to be sustainable in this day and age, you do need money, I'm afraid. It's very hard. I mean, even Sheffield United, people have said, oh, great story. They spent 30-odd million in the summer. Mm. You know, so you do need money. OK, maybe not Wolves-sized amounts, but you do need to spend money to compete because, as I said before, it's such a brutal league, this unforgiving and um, if you don't have a deep squad, you know, you get found out. And Norwich came up here with high ideals, you know. We're going to play our way. We're going to play the football we played last year with one or two minor additions. It was a very noble approach. But injuries and the fact that this league is so unforgiving, it's always going to be a very tall order to make that work. No matter how high the ideals were, no matter um, how noble they were, it was always going to be so difficult to make it work this season. I think going back to your point, Lorne, about wanting to win all the time and what we were talking about before, I think I'd summarise that by saying I'd rather be a noble loser than a rich middle of the road because we're not going to be a rich winner. You know, the, the chances of us um, doing a Leicester inverted commas, the chances of us doing a Wolves, so getting a bit of European football um, through, through that are so unbelievably slim. Um, and it's the, it's the classic argument against let's just get a rich owner in there's a very 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 long list of people who have done that and bought themselves a few years in the Premier League and that's all they've got to show for it maybe maybe an FA Cup semi-final maybe losing 4-0 to Man City in a, in a final um, but there there is a far longer list of, of those that have done that and or are now at the bottom of League 1, League 2 and, and have, or going out of existence altogether um, and, and I would rather be the, the club we are with the ideals and the values we are, knowing that they are going to be protected. Um, and every now and again, we get a really big day out. And if, if that if that is going to be categorised by others as being limited in terms of what what we want to achieve or or settling for mediocrity, it's not settling for mediocrity. It's I'd rather I'd especially if we're going to keep playing good football, I'd rather be true to us and, and know what our identity is than just be yet another identikit like like. 22, 23 other clubs there are in England at the moment who just merge into yeah. each other with a rotating door of big name players. You know what? No one can take last season away from Norwich, and it was done the right way. And okay, it's been a, a tough season this year. It's, it's, it's been brutal, 
But last season should never be forgotten. That team shouldn't be forgotten. And OK, it's not worked out this year, but last year was something special. And that should not be yeah. you know, forgotten in the, in the wake of what's happened in the Premier League. And I'd actually, I'd add the Man City game onto that in terms of that was like the, the cherry on the cake of last season was just that one result. And a few people said at the time, like, it doesn't really matter if we get relegated now because this this was the highlight of the season, whatever happened. I actually said that after the Pookie goal, um, like we've, we've already scored the goal of the season just before it was ruled out. Which, oh, the Tottenham one. Which, which brings us on to... No, let's not talk about yeah. it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. fuck it. Fuck, no, don't talk about <laughs> it. So shy. There we, we have had uh, a number of orders for... Uh, just w- one thing actually on VAR, because you mentioned it and you talked about it as if we hadn't talked about it uh, since it started fucking us around. And that's I think that's my biggest complaint about VAR is that people who complain about VAR get tarred with, well, you would say that because the decisions went against you. It's got absolutely nothing mm. to do with the decisions themselves. Like Most of the decisions aren't 100% right. That So it's not the case that decisions are going against teams. The, the game that I really... And what really annoyed me about it was Sheffield United, where there were three VAR decisions, two of which went for Norwich. The, the problem with VAR is not the decisions going one way or the other, or being right or not right. The problem is the way it destroys all the things that were beautiful about football, principally goal celebrations. Hmm. So I, I, after celebrating the Pookie goal, um, and then you know really ecstatically because it was just Francis just bought I mean it was wonderful it's mm. absolutely wonderful and we've had a rubbish few weeks and you know I really really wanted to enjoy that moment and um, and then the fact that it took so long and then it was it was after kind of a minute or so you go hang on this is taking a lot we know yeah. what this means this is taking a long time and it then meant when it was Toddy wasn't it they then scored yeah. the goal it's Palace that's yeah, the yeah. moment the yeah. Todd Campbell goal against Palace so he, is the moment and I didn't, me, I, didn't cel- I didn't celebrate because well, I went Todd Campbell didn't celebrate I thought well that's, that's, really, that's really close that's really close so I'm not I'm not I'm not gonna kind of, I didn't even stand up and then and then, he, and then he gives it and you just think this isn't this isn't right this is not and and, and if the, if that is what the Premier League is don't want it I'd rather play in League One the highlight of that Crystal it. Palace game was watching Crystal Palace kick off because that meant that the goal had been given <laughs> yeah. and that isn't football so no. but likewise with, but, but with the Spurs thing with the Spurs with the Spurs situation you had the, the Spurs team walking up to the walking up to kick off if the other team are fine with it like if they're all like rallying around the referee going oh that was handball that was handball that was offside whatever then to a certain degree you're in the moment but when it's two three minutes the other team are like well we can't see anything wrong with it yeah. we'll get ourselves ready to kick off you think what are we doing here I completely get it's the, the implementation that's the thing I, yeah. it's, the, I, it's the application purely um, so in they Germany right, right? it works yeah. really well because over there we had a meeting before it all came in in 2017 we met with Helmut Kruger who was then the head of the, the, the German um, officials putting the VR system in and he said our number one aim is the referee remains in charge sovereign so that is why you have the monitor so the referee can go and consult so over here now we've got the situation where the referee when it's being looked at by VAR he may as well not be there because he's being told by Stockley Park what to give now in Germany he's got the conversation with Cologne going on but he can go and look at the monitor with his own eyes and say okay I hear what you're saying but my opinion is having seen the pictures with my own eyes this so he's always in charge in England, you've got a situation where the referee isn't in control now, and the guy sat in a booth in Stockley Park is making the decision for a game hundreds of miles away. I think, you, and that's I think on that point, you 
it means you lose the narrative of the game and the context of the game. Um, and the Sheffield United, uh, uh, Boz, uh, what's his name? We're sending off. Yeah, Basham. Yeah. Went from a sending off to a yellow card. Now, if um, the guy who overruled the overhead kick and we didn't like him, I think it was him that day um, if he was able to go over to the uh, monitor which by the way all Premier League clubs have uh, and Norwich for example have installed at great expense and it's not been turned on all year I think it might be turned on just to put the, sc- the Premier League screensaver on there um, which you see on, on game day um, if he was able to go over they have that conversation and I think he would have said well actually in the blood and thunder heat of the game in the context of the fact that, that was an yeah. unfolding attack that was, that was happening at the time and Norwich were pressing actually I'm, I'm going to stick with my original decision I do think he was out yeah. of control the other thing with in that really is, really slow motion he's not out of control because he's moving at really slow frame rate the other thing with that is had had, this, had the red card stood and VAR not been a thing <coughs> there's no way on earth Sheffield United would have had that overturned on appeal in terms of the yeah, ban quite because right. he wasn't it clear and obvious and that is the number so that is the number one thing that I wanted to bring in VAR I like it was my decision I, I, I banged the table for VAR last season and um, because of the fact that it has made so many sports better from a reducing controversy mm. angle you're always going to have a little bit of controversy even when you go into replay <clears throat> but you're not going to get anywhere near the volume of clear and obvious things that are just simply wrong it takes out human error the, the very 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 simple thing about VAR that sums up the, the arrogance of the FA is that uh, you look at every single other sport tennis American football cricket all of the things that have used video technology to improve the entertainment of both the armchair people and also making the fans in the stands feel like they're getting an accurate result um, they basically ignored all of the way that every other sport has implemented it and to a certain degree Bundesliga but they've got even further away from, from the other sports and gone now nah, do you know what we'll do it our way we won't show the fans what's going on because if you could see the what they're actually looking at if you could see them going forwards and backwards like they can in the rugby NFL all these others on this, on this big screen I appreciate that that would still be very frustrating in the fact that it maybe takes a while to get a decision but at least you've then got the oohs and the ahs and of the, yeah. you, can ha- you have kind of a cheer when you see so in the NFL for example when, when there's a disputed catch or did they land in and out of bounds there was one in the playoff game at the weekend where a guy landed on his left butt cheek his left butt cheek was in and that meant that the catch stood as, as that guy comes down in slow motion they're watching as the umpires are watching um, referees are watching and there's a cheer from the supporters mm. because the, the, who are for them because they go yes the left bum so if you're but involved I don't want, in it no, I, don't want I know that. you don't but you see how that is at least better than what we've got if you then combine that with the other, hang on if you combine that which would be a slight improvement with having going back to a time limit having a simple time limit of yeah. if you can't see it within 20 seconds we go with the original decision because it means further. it can't be clear and obvious with offside I would these lines if you have to draw lines you're saying it's too clear it's yeah. too close to call exactly. so don't if you can't see with the naked eye then the on-field decision should stand put your yeah. fucking protractor away yeah. it's not clear and, and obvious and I think, I think that touches on a big thing so just I don't want the TV replays to be the oohs and ahs because for me a football goal isn't a ooh yeah it counted I don't want to celebrate a goal on a big screen that's I want more to of an offside rather than live. the actual goal but yeah but <clears throat> yes in terms of the decisions I think the huge problem that the Premier League now has is that 
the implementation of VAR means referees aren't refereeing the game properly because they're letting stuff go on the basis of, well, if, if this is a goal, it will be checked. But crucially, linesmen aren't. So yeah, linesmen are sometimes flagging no, for really tight offside. And you think, well, really, you should have let that go because once you get your protractor no, out, you he might have been onside. You shouldn't let it go. Because no, but the point is, you, that's it. You can't finish, have it both ways. Explain. You can't have it both you ways. You shouldn't let it go. You should just make a decision. And the reason you shouldn't let it go is... In the Everton-Liverpool FA Cup game a couple of days ago, there was a VAR um, in operation, even though it was FA Cup because it was at Anfield. And there was a moment where Liverpool had an attack and there was a guy clearly offside and the linesman let it go on the basis of, well, it might be offside, it might not. We'll see how this unfolds. Uh, I think Divock Origi had a shot that Pickford just hit around the post. It was a brilliant save and it went off for a corner. Then they looked at the replay and he was offside which meant that had Pickford not made the save, the goal would have been ruled out because it was offside. So Everton would have had a free kick. Because Pickford made a world-class save that tipped the ball around the post, Liverpool had a corner. So Pickford, Pickford was punished for making a but good that, save. But that's what I'm but saying about the if Liverpool score from the corner, he's been punished again because they don't go back well, then and go, well, no, that shouldn't have no, been but, that, but again, that's the bonkers thing about the implementation is that they ha- they've, they've completely fudged when do we do it. But and how do you fix that? How do you fix that issue that Lorne's raising? Because I, I, soon, I advocated it, for VAR last season, but it's been a fucking car crash and for all the reasons that, that Lorne articulates so very well. And it is about... Being a fan, having your experience in the stadium, it's bollocks. It doesn't work. And Just do get know, rid of it. Do you know one of, the, one of the things that I have come to realise through being a huge advocate? The reason I was a huge advocate for VAR in football was, um, as I've just kind of intimated... But they stop start sports. Hang on. They? You can't stop the sport. That isn't even my point. It's um, a good one, though. Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah, but th- it's also all of those sports that I just mentioned. I haven't got a season ticket. Yeah, I don't go. Yeah, yeah. I don't go home and away. Yeah. Like I'm watching at home, and I go make a cup of tea while I make a decision. You know that that this test match it's on in the background. Yeah, it's, it's more it quiet at the cricket though. Even it, that adds to the supporter experience. If you're watching a test match as as we did this summer, although we went on the worst day of the summer probably to watch the Ashes, because um, Lorne was there. Because Lorne was there. Can bat. Yeah, he can really <laughs> bat. As can ages. as can so many other Australians. <laughs> for other sake. insightful uh, yeah. cricket. Coverage coming up from Mr. Lord. <laughs> yeah. um, in other news, the ball is round. But it works because of the nature of the sport. NFL, you know, it stops. Well, I haven't watched it for 20 years, but, you know, probably stops every, what, 30 seconds? All of these sports stop. You can take that time. It's it, it doesn't matter. It doesn't yeah. take anything out of the game. With football, it just does. I do and still I feel I there is a place for it. further with that and say it sort of worked in the World Cup, last in the last World Cup, and it worked then because the majority of people at the game didn't really care mm. uh, because it's a it's a neutral yeah, thing yeah, and yeah. it's got a TV audience. And it was you almost a novelty TV. factor though, wasn't it? Yeah, you yeah. watch on TV and it's different. I like, do you still don't think get it the drama work, of it. I do but still think it can work, but they have it's the ti- it's the timing element. They have to. They, 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 they the other thing they could do is again what they do with cricket, tennis, and other sports. They 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 don't check absolutely everything. They check things that are a goal, and then you have some kind of challenge system mm. where basically the coaches are allowed to say, "I thought that you know so." Pickford pulls off that world-class save, um, and uh, therefore you can then say, actually, I'm going to the captain or, or the or the head coach um, can say, right, I'm going to use a challenge here because I think that in the build-up to that, that was offside. If you get it right, you retain the challenge. If you lose, you lose the second one. And then once it's gone, you, it massively reduces the amount of waiting time you're going to have. And I'm not saying 100% will work in football, but it's a prime example of something that works really well in other sports. That the FA have gone now. Nah, we don't we don't need to learn from other people. I think what 
I think VAR has a place in football, but I think what that place is is maybe two or three incidents a season, and it's things like the Henri handball against Ireland. It's things like when Graham Paul gave that guy three yellow cards. It's ridiculously obvious things. But isn't that the twenty-second rule though? Like they're the, like they're the sorts of things. That I'd make it less than twenty seconds. But for the amount of resource seconds. that you'd have to put into it, for like for you say, a, a you know, off. a minimal amount of decisions, but, I just the, don't think the, it's worth but it. But the reason they well, you say that, but the reason that one of the arguments that they made for doing it and putting the resource in is because these are hundreds of millions of pounds worth mm, of decisions. But they're still getting wrong, so I, it doesn't make a difference. No, but the point is, if they but if they, they wouldn't be getting the really, really... Like, they haven't got one... They haven't got a really obvious thing wrong. What they've done is they've got really... They, they've made a call on really, really fine margin things that they shouldn't. There hasn't been a blatant handball, a blatant goal, a blatant punch in the face or whatever that's been missed. That hasn't that mm. hasn't gone wrong. The, the, so that's why I do believe there's a place for it. But as you say, it would end up being maybe used probably not as few as three maybe 20 times a season and just the final thing but the technology is all there now so it's not a waste of money it's been done the final thing I'd say on it is it's, it's meant to be a sport it's meant to be a human game like we we, we accept mistakes from players mm, it's not robot so it's just accept <laughs> the occasional dis- mistake from a referee yeah. it, it adds yeah, to it I agree as for the time thing by the way there's um, a school of thought that they use a thing called the EVS machine where you can rewind and, and, and play things again. The best operators all work for Sky, BT, BBC, so the weekend, the people doing it for the referees, they're not the best operators. Mm. That may be why it takes so long, because the people using the equipment aren't the best in their field. Wearing their T-shirt and shorts referee kit, sitting in a port cabin. They do, they do. I've been in the building, yeah. <laughs> yeah they do. Move on, Tom. Uh, so, moving move on. on. We, we talked previously. Um, let's do a bit of preview action. Um, you've chatted to a Bournemouth fan. Yeah, are they confident of coming and, and ending their awful run? Because you know that is our name. Uh, no, they they predicted a draw ahead of Saturday. Oh, um, so we're going to score first. They then. did predict. <laughs> they did predict, which I quite liked, which is an Alon Cum Norwich thing. That is uh, that Callum Wilson will have a hot shot on target because we read this week that he hasn't had a shot on target since October wow. in, in the league anyway. Which is remarkable. It, yeah. So a Callum Wilson shot on target is your big Alon Cum Norwich. Moment that we're watching for this week. We're stretching on that one. Um, Dan, what's the score going to be against Bournemouth? It's a game Norwich have to win, but I would think a draw would probably be most likely, really, because we said before they just can't hold leads. But I think it's a game that if they don't win it, then it is all over, um, given the scenario. I think, I, I think it's. I think you're being really kind and thinking it's not all over already. But I, yeah, I think. Well, this would be the kind of final. Yeah, yeah. yeah. This is that sort of game that we could lose three nil or win three nil though. I think. Like Sunderland. Yeah, yeah, yeah it very yeah. much is a turn up and first goal. Well, first goal's not the winner because there's no edge. <laughs> yeah. We could win this three nil and it wouldn't be that surprising. We could also lose this three nil and it wouldn't be that surprising. And Bournemouth's injury issues help us massively I think uh, genuinely I think we'll win this weekend and I still think we'll go down but I think we will win this weekend and we'll win handsome I would I, I also have a feeling that we are we really really do it and I think that there is a, a kind of resigned happiness in, in the stands for, from a lot of people um, I hope that I, I, I would go for a win and also getting a point um Midweek as well. Okay, sorry. So and, you're, and, and so you're going f- for a win and a point. I'm going for a win and a point in midweek at Spurs. At Spurs uh, uh, and and us all being a little bit confused because we kind of closed it to five points now. And, and hang on, is it all over? And then we'll get absolutely twatted by someone ordinary, and we'll go, "Oh no, it is over here." <laughs> it's time for listener questions, and we have an absolute bag full. John Punt, hang on, read them away. He's just learning how to use his smartphone, folks, and they'll be with us. Could be a while. 
First up, we have Andrew Kent. This is specifically for Dan, I'd imagine. Mm. He says, have you ever said anything during a commentary stint and immediately thought, that's pure partridge? Um, every Tell me weekend, you said uh, No, I haven't said <laughs> it. Every, every weekend, really. Um, I can't think of a specific one, but, um, yeah, you know, you kind of listen. I can't listen now to games I did 10 years ago. I mean, sometimes the Rewind Norwich account put games on yeah. there from oh, like yeah, 15 yeah. years ago. Yeah. A, I sound about 10 years old, and B, I just, no, I, I can't listen to it. So, um, yeah, I, I'm sure I say things that I regret and sound like Partridge, but, um, yeah, kind of a, of a specific one just now. Have you, I, you must have seen the Bundesliga cartoons. Yes, they're, they're, they're great, aren't they? That, they are fantastic. Um, you haven't seen them. YouTube uh, Bundesliga commentary cartoon is quite they, I think they've done three or four lots now, and um, I'm in there they're doing a few of them, and uh, they, are, they are really well done, really well done. Excellent, excellent. What have we got next? Ooh, this might be controversial, but I just like the way he's worded it. Mick Saunders, are the questions tiered? Category four and above only, please. Lorney, memberships, discuss. Uh, I don't feel the best place to discuss this because I haven't really followed it because I was never going to buy one for this season because it was ridiculous. I have an instinctive dislike of anything that charges for access Mm -hmm. to tickets. That seems wrong to me. I like the fact that they've returned to some semblance of rewarding loyalty, but there is a number of things that I would scrap if I was in charge. There's a couple of uh, couple of people who made the point that they've been to most away games this season and you think Bless you. Those that have been loyal where it was go- when the going was good are being rewarded and those that have been rewarded for only seeing what two, three goals all season are not being rewarded. Yeah. It's yeah. interesting. But essentially what I think they've done is they've sorted the junior canaries issue, so actually the kids memberships is pretty much back to it what it was. Um, although they'll get the away membership with that as well that's really good for 25 quid they get a membership pack brilliant um, what they have done though is just reverted back to the old points based system in another guise and just said yeah you lot have got to pay for it now ridiculous yeah we were we were invited to the press uh, briefing uh, but as so as so many of them uh, they were during the day and uh, we were busy doing the you know robbing the living that we each rob from our respective um, jobs not including Dan who Probably actually earns his money. Probably. Next, next question. Next question. All right, last question. He might be pre-recorded. He might have like a soundboard. He <laughs> just like presses each numbers of the players. <laughs> Let's make this the last one. Chris Ogden. If we do go down, which player should if. we? Al- yeah. All right. So he asked this a couple a week ago. So we're still <laughs> going down there. Yeah, right. When we go down, which players should we allow to leave, and which ones should we cling on to at all costs? Well, it really depends on the offer, I think. Um, the, I don't think there's anyone that isn't up for sale uh, because I believe that with at least another transfer window of Weber, um, I believe that going into a championship season, he has got the contacts and the scouting network and the report and the prep and the brain and you know we have a negotiating team with Zoe, etc. to make sure we get... Um, decent replacements for anyone at championship level. You know, we're unpro- they're unproven as a recruiting network for Premier League. All right. So, with so if I ask mind, in a different way, yeah, it has to be figures. Like, would I let how Ben many, Godfrey go for eight million? No. How many do you think we can realistically afford to let go, regardless of fee? But I'm just talking five about first five, five first choices. Five. Five first choices. That's a lot. Yeah, so but it also sets us up for two, three years. I yeah. feel like there are four that are likely 
maybe five, four that are likely to go, and I would say they're Godfrey, Aaron's, Buendia, and Camwell. I'd say the well, yeah, and then Lewis would be my fifth. Lewis, I, I can't get in the team. I don't think you can. I don't think you could sell him. all three of, of. I think you'd have to sell two of Aaron's, Godfrey, and Lewis. And yeah, at the moment, you would imagine it would be the first. Two. I think if I could choose of those, say five with Lewis, if I could choose which of those five to sell, I would sell Camwell, and the last I would want to sell would be Buendia. I think. Max Aaron's would have been high up that list of not wanting to sell, but I think Sam Byron has just done so well mm. that actually Aaron's or Lewis potentially could go. Like they would move up my list of people that I would be willing to sell. What about Pookie? I think he'll stay. I genuinely, I think the stay. age thing with Pookie. Yeah, I think yeah. if he was five years younger, he'd go. I think yeah. because he's pushing thirty. If he was five years younger, he'd go this window. The, yes. n- the newly installed Finnish personality of the year, sports mm. personality. Did he win it? He did win it. Nice. Um, so I, if I could keep one it, of those, was he the only Wendy. nominee that you knew? Did you see it? Did you know any of the other uh, nominations? Avid followers of the Finnish Aki sporting Rialari. world. Yeah. Keep buying the t-shirts. I, I'd keep Wendy. <laughs> if I could only keep one, it would be Wendy. See, um, I think we'll get a lot more money. I think he, he would go for the second highest fee. Dan, you know more about football than us. What do you reckon? I think Buendia would go for crazy money at the moment because you look at his stats, his numbers. In a team like Norwich, having the season they're having, those are freakish numbers. Mm. I mean, to be in the kind of De Bruyne ballpark with assist chances made in a team that doesn't score many goals and is down the bottom of the table is unheard of. So, I mean, he can go in the current market 25, 30, 35, maybe higher. Um, I think Aaron's because of his age and already his experience, I think he would go for 20 plus. Um, and the others, you know, you mentioned there, I mean, um, Cantwell's had a wonderful season, but maybe wouldn't go for that kind of money. I don't think Cantwell is quite going to go for Madison money, not quite. No. See, I think Cantwell is one of those ones there. You get a club like Newcastle, who come along and yeah. see six goals Lazy in the Premier League and go, like Matt Ritchie. 30 million? Yeah. And we go, <laughs> no, 35. And you think, we'd have taken 20. Yeah. But so I think Cantwell might go in the summer because I think we'll get a bid from a lazy club that's more than his and, worth. And I think, interestingly enough, I think but he's not old enough to go to Villa. But the, <laughs> the personality types of Buendia and probably a Cantwell as well is they see themselves as Premier League players now. I don't think they'll want to take the drop. So I think we're going to have more of an issue in keeping hold of them because they'll be knocking on Weber's door saying, "Get some movement." And that might be why who has come in now because. He, How he, did you just say that? I don't know. I, don't, I think I could repeat it. <laughs> I think I think we've, we've got with Godfrey, which we haven't covered in the, in that kind of little run there in detail. He now needs a run. You know, he he probably does mm. need to now do eight eight to ten games and look around the level as he did at times earlier in the season. And then I think he would quite quickly go back up to to the top. I think he, we could get more money for him if he did because English centre back who can mm. play decent football. At, just yeah. turned 22. If Harry Maguire, 85 million is the bar, Godfrey, you've He's, got to be talking 40, 50 million. If he continues to, to play like the way he can. 35, 40 would not, I would, I would accept for Godfrey if he did another 8 to 10. But it's, it's one of those things where the, the, that's, that is the positive thing about having a trip in the Premier League. It, it puts... 10 to 20 million on everyone's salary uh, on everyone's well not well, the price salary and value not quite but on, on, their, on their value meaning that we are then set up to be actually it doesn't matter how much a rich owner comes into the championship we've actually got a war chest of 50-60 mm. million that we can really go at and yes we're going to put some of that into facilities some of that into Coney etc um, but actually we, we are set up to have one of the greatest squads that we've ever had in the second flight because I really trust Weber to reinvest that cash and I, I think that I think you know, Godfrey and Aaron's 
um, will, will definitely go because I think they'll be pushing to go. I can I can easily see Cantwell not only staying, but I can see him being captain next year, like sharing it with Zimmerman. Well, see so the thing the thing that is sort of optimistic for me and why one of the reasons why I don't really mind if we get relegated is you. It's the estimate is a hundred million, isn't it, for being in the Premier League in terms of what the club gets, and it would be Minimum. no way out of the bounds of possibility for us to get a hundred million for two or three of those yeah, five. Absolutely. So the drop-off in terms of who you're replacing with is the risk, but as you say, you sort of trust whether to get that right. I've, I've, ne- I've never felt more comfortable with um, someone going out the door and, and won't, like when we, we knew Madison was going to go, we hoped we'd get as much as possible. Hopefully we're going to get a, a, you know, a nice sell-on fee by the end of this month. Um, you, you end up with a little bit of fear of, okay, that's all our creativity gone. He's the only reason we didn't go down. You know, all, Everything went through him. Um, whereas, yeah, at the moment, I think there isn't a single person who, yeah, okay, getting a like for like Buendia isn't going to happen, but getting two players who can share that responsibility, yeah, I, I trust Weber to do that. And, you know, Liverpool or Duda might, you might, might hit on them and they might really add to the midfield mix. Dan needs to pick the best question so that the questioner can win things. Which okay. was your favourite question, Dan? You may need to remind him. Remind me the questions <laughs> again. Hang on, I've got to remember which ones I asked. Shit. Dan's there was a membership one. Membership one. Membership. Yeah, there was, then uh, there was the partridge and the one. I just got that one. It's in the one about partridge. We'll partridge. I mean, that always wins. Mr. Kent, get in yes. touch. Right, there. he listens. He does listen. He's a good old boy. Yeah. And he was good on Radio Five. Did you hear? Him? He was good. I did in the five live. Traditionally called these days. With Flag Hero Rich, who should also get a shout out because he's there every week. Rich O'Neill doing those flags with Maddie and Terry. reason that Dan has come all the way from Germany today <laughs> it is well, flown in catching the flight back straight afterwards back Long to Hoffenheim <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, it is Long Come Norwich quiz now you've got uh, as everyone knows one minute to answer six questions um, you're going to go first Dan as ever mm-hmm. um, and your time starts now name one of the teams to win a domestic cup in 1920 a hundred years ago today. And it's a dis- dismestic. Uh, incorrect. Huddersfield. Uh, now we're going on to the next one. We'll come back. Uh, which Premier League team drew the most fixtures in the 2019 calendar year? Newcastle. Incorrect. Who was the first goalkeeper to wear Leeds United's number one shirt in the Premier League? John Lucas. Correct. Yeah. Uh, I have nine goals and nine assists so far in the Bundesliga this season. Who am I? As of last weekend. Marco Royce. No. Name one of the four players to have received a joint top eight yellow cards this season in the Premier League. Just one of the players that's got eight yellow cards this season. Eight yellow cards. Um, pass. Uh, which Premier League team beat Luton 4 0? Bournemouth. Correct. Uh, name one of the teams to win a domestic cup in 1920. Arsenal. Incorrect. Which Premier League team drew the most fixtures in 2019? Crystal Palace. Incorrect. Uh, I have nine goals and nine assists in the Bundesliga. Who am I? <laughs> this season? Um, pass. Uh, one of the four Five. players to. They were difficult. They were fast. They, they were horrific. 1920. Right. Well, it's because it's night. It, well, it was, <laughs> it, it, I wrote this at the start of January. <laughs> Bolton. No. Huddersfield, oh, um, I think it was a good shout. Yeah, it was. It, it was a very good shout. I mean, it was wrong, but it was a good shout. Um, <laughs> so, West Brom were Football League uh, Cup 
uh, and uh, Aston Villa were F- oh, so, uh, yeah Aston Villa were the FA Cup winners 1920 so you would have had either of those Midlands clubs um, another keeping it Midlands Wolves drew 13 of their 38 Premier League matches my team as well 2019 yeah, yeah, that is why I put them in there um uh, Sancho has Jaden Sancho yeah. of course it was Jaden Sancho had not had nine and nine didn't not including last weekend there you go so I didn't need to point out that I wrote it last week um, you could have had uh, do you want to guess you guys uh, eight yellow cards for a Premier League players we've got eight yellow cards up until last weekend John Fleck uh, no Harry Maguire no Lindelof no someone else yes, yes. Uh, Jefferson well Lerma Jorginho Luka Milinovic and Roman Saiz 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 yeah. yeah who should have been sent off against Norwich before he equalised mm, sorry about that uh, and you've got Bournemouth you've got two out of six they were difficult questions yeah, that's yeah. awful you wait till you hear these here we go who's going next um, punt me yeah good luck cheers who won the FA Cup in 1920. Didn't you just say that? Aston yeah. Villa. Oh, bollocks, I hope you've forgotten. Cheers. Uh, name an, I didn't need to read it about <laughs> Name an Icelander to win a Champions League medal. Um, good Jonsson is an Icelander, is he? Is he? Yeah. Yes. yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Give him all the answers. <laughs> Carry on. <laughs> uh, after Henri, which Frenchman has scored the most Premier League goals? Cantona. Incorrect. Which oh. team in the Premier League has been awarded the most penalties this season? Double that of second place. Um, Manchester United Correct Name one of the two players Currently second in the race For the Premier League Golden Boot uh, Tammy Abraham uh, Incorrect Who who? thanks to two Ex-Norwich players Took Newcastle to a replay In the FA Cup Wilbraham Which team thanks Oh which to two team Rochdale Correct um, After Henri Which Frenchman has scored The most Premier League goals Sylvain Wiltord No which, Fucking hell niche uh, Which <laughs> team Scored a lot league Has been awarded You've got that one uh, Name one of the two players Second in the race For the Premier League Oh Harry Kane No you got four out of uh, Four out of six And what is a farcical quiz At the best of times That is Fucking sound surprised Even for Fucking hell Villa won the FA Cup In 1920 Job first question It was over a week ago That I wrote this What I forgot was I was only going to give the answer If he got one of them right And then he would I'd say who was the other one To do it But never mind Oh dear So you could have So Henri got 175 goals Dan Lorney Who is next up you got Eric Cantona who had 70 there are three others in between Perez Perez is 62 beneath Cantona there's three above Cantona and beneath Henri three French Um, Anelka yes 125 that was the answer we wanted Vieira no did he who did he play for Uh, you've got a Manchester United stalwart not that stalwarty really French nonsense striker uh, Louis Saha yeah uh, 85 mm. uh, and then uh, Arsenal Chelsea current oh Giroud yeah mm-hmm. he's got 78 um, cool so Man United have had 8 penalties for them only 1 against <laughs> it's weird that isn't it? like 1990s all over again um, okay so and you got Henderson and Wilbraham for, for Rochdale obviously so Lordy, just before we begin can you tell me the answers uh, yes I, I can <laughs> Uh, I'll give you a clue. The answer number one, it was 2010 when it happened. Your time starts now. Who's the last player to win an England cap with Portsmouth <laughs> in 2010? Uh, no, James. Correct. Nice. What do footballers Chris Kamara, Gary McAllister and Robbie Elliott all have in common? Um, they're all pundits. No. <laughs> Name a Frenchman that scored four goals at the World Cup in, fr- in Russia. Two of them um, 
Uh, Griezmann. Yeah. Uh, which team hasn't had a single penalty for or against them this season? Ooh. Uh, only one. There's only one team. Bournemouth? No. Uh, who's second behind Kevin De Bruyne for assists in the Premier League? Um, Firmino? No. Which Premier League team did Fulham beat in the FA Cup third round after winning it in 1920? Yeah. Um, <laughs> what do footballers Chris Kamara, Gary McAllister and Robbie Elliott all have in common that I want? That you want? No, the answer that I want, not an answer that you make up. It's got to be the one on the on the card. This is a nonsense. It was the start of January that I wrote this. Um, what had recently happened? And they have lovely Christmas presents. <laughs> Time. Um, <laughs> they were all born on Christmas Day. <laughs> I don't know why you know it, but it's true. Yeah. <laughs> so I think we'll, we'll call that a win for punt yes. um, with a tailwind. Uh, you're winning this season. <laughs> How many did so, get? So How many did you get? Tailwind. Um, what Lawn? Yeah. Lawn only got two, same as. Uh, so he only gave me one answer. Yeah, and you got three. No, I got four. So let's have a tie break. Let's have a tie break and then we'll call it fair. Because Dan's crossed it, his questions are so hard. Fair enough. They were. come all the way from Hoffenheim Pole. This is a nice one. How many combined times have this season's Football League Cup semi finalists, Carabao Cup semi finalists, won the League Cup between them? So of those four teams, so you've got Villa, Leicester, Man City, Man United, how many times between them has the Cup been won? Who's the last one after Man United? Oh, Man City, City. wasn't it? Yeah. Villa, Leicester, Man City, Man United. Um, you uh, won in regulation, so therefore you can go first punt. I'll go 31. 30. Oh, that seems high, though. It does seem high. Between four teams. 26. 16. Dan is the overall winner. Everyone knows the tiebreak carries it. <laughs> 19. 19 is the answer. Are the rules. Villa with five, Man United with five, Leicester with three, Man City with six. Wow. Fair enough. That is 19. Good maths. So thank you to everyone who bought a Fuck VAR t-shirt. Cheers. Let's bring the noise against Bournemouth on Saturday and let's try and enjoy ourselves for the rest of this season. We'll be back in a couple of weeks uh, with another fine guest. We've got something quite exciting we're trying to line up, but um, it's proving a bit difficult dates-wise. We'll share that with you as soon as we are allowed to. Dan, thank you so much. Always a pleasure, guys. Really enjoyed it. Cheers, so man. good. We, we would chip in for your airfare, but we didn't sell quite enough T-shirts. And it's Orp. Lorny, I acknowledge you've been in the room. Punt, well done for doing so well in the quiz. Tarba. Get better soon, Rich. Everyone else, mind how you go. Yeah, we're on. Are they all working? Yeah. Good. Well, I've got yours turned off, obviously. Cheers, <laughs> <laughs> mate. Uh, oh, Lorne, you're quiet. Do a noise. Uh, what sort of noise? That's a nice noise. Uh, Dan, do a noise. No, uh, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. Oh, okay. Pro. Pro. Uh, what a pro. What? what I can it's count good, to ten. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, Is that the first time they've because no, Martin can't count. Exactly. Uh, okay. I'll, I'll, I'll be like, no, sorry, we don't have a nine. <laughs> 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 Transfer, Martin. <laughs> yeah, good. There is no nine. <laughs> Fine.
Okay. Well, uh, letter is your alliteration, just so I can ready myself not to laugh. Uh, e for Eda, which is out of date now. Hmm. <coughs> and also kind of incorrect. No, that's how it's pronounced. Eda's it is I. It, it, it is Eda. Yeah, but it's Eda. It's pronounced Eda. Alliteration, I'm just saying, if you wrote it down, I wouldn't like it. <laughs> <laughs> okay. When you're ready. <laughs> okay. <laughs>